You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to The Ride In NFL DFS podcast. A throwback, a retro edition. You could probably hear the fact that I am in my car. I know I always preface this when I'm in my car recording this podcast. That is how the OGs remember the ride in. When I started this a long time ago, they were all from my car because they were all recorded on my way to and from work. Obviously, I've upgraded some things since then. But yeah, this is going to be a retro one. I am on my way to pick up some dinner for the fam. It's Friday. And it's a, you know, we are feeling this one pizza place that's kind of out of the way. So I've said, you know what, if I'm making a 20, 30 minute drive, then I guess I'll just record on my way there. There's the blinker. You'll probably be subject to some road rage at, at one point or another in this venture. Um, there's one classic episode. I'll try to find out which one it is and let you guys know to go back and listen to. Um, I went on like a three minute rant on somebody. Uh, as pretty pretty classic. ride you could say all right so divisional round some people may say you're going to hear this a lot this week that this is the best weekend of football of the entire year that is patently false in my opinion i don't see i mean especially now that wild card weekend has you know six games um, but like, why would you like this? I mean, I know these are, here's the thing. This is actually, this might be the best weekend this year because it literally is the best eight teams. Maybe save for the Ravens. You might think that the Ravens should have snuck in and gotten here, but we're banged up due to injury. Look at this guy. Friggin' clown. Oh, goodness. Already it starts. So, you know, maybe you thought the Cowboys or the Cardinals or the Colts should have snuck in to this divisional round. But, to be honest, these are probably the best eight teams. Or or at least the best eight of nine or ten. Right? Sometimes you get, like, random division winner that's no good sneaking in. And there's, like, a terrible game. All these games should be pretty solid games this weekend. That said, I think any regular season week beats the divisional round. Yeah, these games mean more, but I would much rather have a full slate of games for DFS purposes. Anyway, I'm going to give this or break this week down um, a little bit differently. I'm going to give you my favorite stack, plural stacks, both chalk and low-owned. And then I'm going to touch on how I think you should construct, or how I'm going to construct at least, 
lineups. Let me say this, though. It depends very much so what type of contests you are in this week, right? Like if you're playing in the Millie Maker, if you're playing in the $3 20 max that has like 130,000 entries, you have to get unique. You have to. There's no other way around it. You'll be duped if you don't because it's only a four-game slate. And you really, really do need that one or two-piece low-owned that that has a massive ceiling game to get you into that top spot. If you're playing like a $100 single entry or the Double Spy $200 single entry, that's a different story because they usually have like between, you could find some for like a, with a 1,000 entrants, you could find some with like 3,000 entrants. That's a little bit of a different animal, right? You can, you don't have to get as off the board. You should still have you know, a fairly low-owned piece or two, but you don't need that, like, 3% owned wide receiver out of nowhere that has the the random two-touchdown game in this scenario, especially since we have a four-game slate. Okay. My favorite stack this weekend is undoubtedly Josh Allen. However, I think he's going to be everybody's favorite stack. The Bills have all year and especially in games when they are close, must-win situations, have just relied on him. Yes, Devin Singletary has amped up a little bit recently. However, it was it was in games that they were playing some cupcake teams down the stretch, and also in games where they were absolutely blowing other people out, blowing their opponents out. If this game stays close, which it probably should, right? It's the Chiefs. Or they're even trailing... I think you'll see Devin Singletary's usage scaled back a bit, right? They'll, they'll, they trust Josh Allen so much more with the football in his hands, period. We saw it all year when they needed a win. He's, he's the one that's getting his number called at the goal line. He's the one that is dropping back on first down, second down, third down, period. So I think you can stack Singletary with with Josh Allen. That'll make that stack a little bit more unique. I think we can get Isaiah McKenzie in some of these stacks. That would make it a little bit unique. He's He had some serious usage. Um, he kind of is stealing Cole Beasley's thunder a little bit as of late. So I don't mind Isaiah McKenzie. And then obviously you have Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, Gabe Davis. Those are the three main guys that Josh Allen loves to target. I personally like Gabe Davis this week. You know, I was a little bit sour on him after he didn't do much with 14 targets against the Jets, but I think he should be more involved this week. Um, So I like rotating. I'll probably make a few Josh Allen lineups, rotate those guys through. Bringing it back is going to not be terribly tough because guys like Isaiah McKenzie are fairly cheap. Gabe Davis is cheap. Uh, Dawson Knox is under 5k. So it's not going to be too hard to bring it back with a Tyree Kill or a Travis Kelsey. Don't mind that at all. My favorite low-owned stack is going to be Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams, right? So according to 4 for 4, and they're, they're very, you know, TJ Hernandez does the ownership projections he's usually pretty spot on they have Stafford as one of the two lowest I believe the other lowest is obviously Jimmy Garoppolo banged up not even 100% sure if he's going to be on the field 
he and Stafford are coming in as the two lowest owned. I believe, don't quote me, but I know Stafford was projected under 10%. That, that I do remember. I mean, the Bucks are a pass funnel. I don't know how much the Rams want to rely on Cam Akers and Sony Michelle. They obviously gave them both a good amount of carries last week, but I think this game could dictate that Matt Stafford throws the ball. I love Cooper Cup. Who doesn't? I also think Tyler Higby is my second favorite if you're going to double stack Stafford, which you probably should because he can't get there with his legs. So anytime a quarterback is immobile, you usually want to have two pass catchers because that means if they're going to be in the winning lineup, it means they probably threw like three, four, five touchdowns. Whereas Josh Allen, you could single stack him because he might run for two and throw for two more, etc. But I really do like... Matt Stafford. Um, I mean, Odell is fine. Van Jefferson is fine. Cam Akers is fine, I think, with Stafford. He has become a little bit more of the pass-catching back. He's usurped Sony Michelle a little bit. I mean, Michelle will probably still get his his 10 carries or so, but he's not going to be used much in the passing game. That is where Cam Akers will shine. He had that beautiful 40-yard catch last week. I think we'll see more of that. Probably even see more targets this week, I would think. That would be my guess. So I don't mind putting Cam Akers in your map. Stafford stacks. And then I think, and this could be a unique one, I like Ryan Tannehill stacked with A.J. Brown. Nothing too contrarian there. Obviously, if Ryan Tannehill has a day, A.J. Brown should be the beneficiary. But I think that bringing it back with two Bengals, whether that's Chase and Higgins or Chase and Boyd or Higgins and Boyd, or even throwing Joe Mixon or C.J. Uzama into those doubles, right? Ryan Tannehill is cheaper than Joe Burrow. So if it it comes down to a salary cap thing issue where... You know, the optimal lineup could absolutely have two Bengal pass catchers, A.J. Brown, and then, in, you know, normally you would stack, and I don't think there's anything wrong with stacking Joe Burrow this week. Obviously, his ceiling is there. Normally, you would have Joe Burrow, two of his pass catchers, bring him back with A.J. Brown. I love that stack, but I think a way to get unique is to have Ryan Tannehill, single stacked A.J. Brown, brought back with two. Bengals, right? So a Mixon Boyd, a Chase Higgins, a Higgins Uzama, whatever it may be, you know, rotate them through, make multiple lineups this week, right? You don't want to, on a slate like this, you don't really want to have one lineup. And why is that? Because let's say you fade the Bengals game, right? Like this game that we're talking about, let's say you don't have any of, you, you decide that you're stacking Bills Chiefs, adding a couple pieces from the Packers Niners adding a couple pieces from the Bucks Rams you leave the Ram- you leave the Titans game alone well you know at the end of the first quarter Jamar Chase has two touchdowns you're cooked for the week so you know make 5 6 7 lineups even if even if you are just throwing them into like the the th- uh, three max here or there or or whatever it may be even if your bankroll's like 20 bucks i would tell you to make five $4 lineups rather than one $20 lineup on this slate. 
but yeah, I like that single stack, double bring back Ryan Tannehill there. Eh. I mean, there's pretty much no stack that I don't like. You know, like I wouldn't. There isn't one quarterback on this slate that I think I would say to avoid. And I know that's kind of against what I stand for here on the ride in. Usually, I plant my flag, tell you who I like. That's the end of it. But on this type of slate, especially with the quarterbacks we have available to us, I think they're all okay. Um, even Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's 5,500. So I don't like him from a ceiling perspective, but from what you can do in the rest of your lineup, you know, you could stack, you can get Devontae Adams as a bring back, and then you could have like Kelsey, you could have Tyreek, you know, you could even do the double chief without Patrick Mahomes, but you get the it's probably the only way that you can also get Devontae Adams in there is if you use Jimmy Garoppolo. So, you know, sometimes that's just the way the optimal lineup is going to work out. You need to be, you need to have that specific combination. So wouldn't fault anybody for playing any of the QBs stacked with their pass catchers this week, but Bills and then that first game, Bengals Titans are, will probably, probably be my primary stacks. Um, for cash, I think the best running backs are Lenny, if he's active. I mean, how could you go wrong with playoff Lenny, especially if he's a, if he's a full go? I mean, we saw what he did last year. We saw what he did at the beginning of the season when he was healthy. He was catching like five, six, seven passes. Are they going to put Keyshawn Vaughn on the field if Leonard Fournette is healthy? No, this is not going to happen. Um, so I think that, you know, getting Lenny in there is important if you're playing in cash. Uh, I also know, I also think that, you know, despite the fact that I just said Singletary is not a great tournament play for me, I don't mind him in cash. He probably has a decent floor. He'll catch some passes. He'll get some rushing work. Uh, the, the running back slate, though, is just wide, wide open, right? I mean, obviously, Mixon's a good play. However, the Titans are a massive, massive pass funnel. So you could see him maybe catch five or six passes, but I don't think we're going to see Joe Mixon 20 carries, 120 yards against the Titans. I think they're just going to let Joe Burrow rip it. Um, elsewhere, obviously, Elijah Mitchell, you know, he's got a rough matchup as well. And I think I'm a little bit out on Mitchell in terms of a ceiling game. I don't think the game script's going to be there for them. Obviously, I think the you know the Packers should have somewhat of a handle on this game. So I do like in at least in tournaments maybe being a little bit underweight on Elijah Mitchell. Now the elephant in the room is obviously Derrick Henry. He's going to play. How much is unknown? I'll be honest. At seventy five hundred. Derrick Henry could absolutely break the slate, right? Like we could see him, if he's ready to go, if he has no limitations, we could see him potentially hit one of his 150 and two type games. It's possible. So I think I'll have a good bit of him when I don't have Ryan Tannehill. That said, I don't mind Derrick Henry as a bring back to Bengal stacks. And that might sound odd, but think about how how Derrick Henry gets there. He gets there when he hits home runs, right? When he hits those 70-yard 
long touchdown runs. And that's just as valuable as a long touchdown pass, right? So, you know, Derrick Henry hits two 60-plus yard touchdown runs. Bengals will be down and Bengals will be throwing. So that that works uh, in terms of stacking. I wouldn't stack Derrick Henry up too much with his pass catchers, obviously. Uh, the pass catchers on his team or Ryan Tannehill, really. Unless you think that game's going to be like an absolute barn burner, 40-37, and everybody's going to get involved, which, you know, that might be... An, an option for games that, uh, excuse me, tournaments that have a ton of entries, right? If you're if you're playing in the Millie Maker and the three dollar that has a hundred thousand plus, you could you know really stack up that first game. That makes that makes some sense. Uh, the Chiefs, I think Jarek McKinnon. You know, it depends on McKinnon for me because Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be active, so I think that it makes sense to basically see what McKinnon's ownership is going to be, right? Like, if people are going to play McKinnon like he's the only active running back and he's going to be, like, 30% owned in tournaments, then I'm not sure I want much of a part of him. Um, I think I'll be a little bit underweight and then be a little bit overweight on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, listen, I am not a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire stan. Don't like him in the least, to be honest, right? Like, I'm a Daryl Williams guy, but I think he's going to be inactive. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to you know, get the goal line work. So, and, and, you know, McKinnon's pushing 5k right now. So he's not going to be, uh, you know, this supreme value, right? There's a bunch of running backs that are just a couple hundred dollars more than McKinnon. And if he's going to be only a third down back, then I don't think there's much value to Jarek McKinnon. That said, you know, if reports come out that, oh, Clyde Edwards Lair's healthy, he's going to get the bulk of the work, and then you see everybody kind of pivoting to Hilaire, then that's when I will play McKinnon. But that's something that has to be played by ear up until kickoff. All right, so as far as pass catchers go, receivers, tight ends, I think by now, you know, most of the people that listen to this show are somewhat at least intermediate DFS players. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I like Tyree Kill or that I like A.J. Brown or that I like Jamar Chase. You guys know at this point that it's about constructing a lineup that correlates and that you know has some low-owned pieces in it. You guys know that Stephon Diggs is good, right? You guys know that Mike Evans is good. So... What I'm going to do is, obviously, if you're stacking a team or you're running it back, you play those guys, right? If you have Josh Allen, most of your lineups probably have Stephon Diggs. If you're stacking Tom Brady, most of your lineups have him, Gronk, Evans. It makes sense, right? What I am going to do is tell you who my favorite dart throws are. My favorite mini stacks, meaning you know, two receivers in a game, but not the quarterback or any quarterback from that game. And then my one-off dart throw type guys. And they're mostly cheap guys because guess what? When you are stacking, I'm in a uh, 
old traffic circle roundabout here. Those things are always can always be tricky. Not for me, but for you know the rest of the general population. Just want to make sure I came through clean there. All right, so here are my favorite one-offs from each team. The 49ers, Jawan Jennings, has had a huge increase over the last few games, is a solid 3K piece. From the Packers, I think it's the ancillary pieces. Like, I, I want to say Joshua DeGuara, Josiah DeGuara, excuse me, but he is, you know, like with Gronk, with Kelsey, with Knox, with Uzama, I'm forgetting somebody, Higby, love Higby. I mean, there's just so many pieces on this slate in terms of tight ends that I just don't, I think DeGuara is not really going to be it. He's not going to be it. Um, So I would like to say DeGuara, but Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard are, you know, Lazard has been huge in gaining Rodgers' trust over the last few weeks. Cobb's coming back. Probably doesn't have much ownership. He's 3,100. There is no Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So, you know, I think you can play a little bit of Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, uh, mostly with Rodgers, but I don't. I wouldn't mind them as one-offs or like in like a little mini stack with maybe Debo or with uh, Brandon Ayuk, something like that. Or even if you want to get spicy, with Elijah Mitchell. I mean, I don't know if if you think the Niners are going to actually get out to a lead here. Then you play Elijah Mitchell, you bring it back with Devontae and Randall Cobb or something like that. Um, but from there, on the Bengals, it's Tyler Boyd for sure. Um, he's seen at least five targets for as long as the box score can go. And he's being looked at in the end zone. He's being a little bit more, he's been a little bit more a part of the game than T. Higgins has been as of late, really. So I don't mind Tyler Boyd. The Titans are tough. I mean, I always am going to tell you to avoid Julio Jones. I've never been a Julio Jones guy. I know, I mean, listen, he's a Hall of Famer, but I think he's always been a little bit overvalued in DFS. Um, you know, sure, he's had his weeks where he went 10 for 150 and 2, but, you know, over the last few years, just overvalued. And he's not even expensive this week, but I think he'll be over-rostered uh, for sure. And that's probably a little bit of the reason that I'm not in love with Julio and haven't been for quite some time. Uh, but Nick Westbrook-Akina has, I mean, like, slim, you know, like, if you are if you need a dart from... The Titans, I don't mind Nick Westbrook, Akina. Um, the Titans are the Titans don't have much in the way of tight ends. You know, Ferkser, Swaim, they all run out there. My Cole Pruitt, his Cole Pruitt, your Cole Pruitt. He'll he'll run out there for a few snaps. It's literally a lottery lottery ticket as to who is going to catch the touchdown if it's thrown to a tight end on the Titans. Um, so I, I kind of shy away from those guys. I'm probably only just single stacking Tannehill if I can help it. On the Bucks, it's going to be Tyler Johnson for me. And Tyler Johnson has been hit or miss 
But and this this depends on whether Cyril Grayson is active. If Cyril Grayson plays, he hasn't really practiced this week. I do like Cyril Grayson, but Tyler Johnson's the dart throw on the Bucks for me. There really isn't one on the Rams. I mean, I lo- like I said, I love Tyler Higby and double stacks with Stafford. Obviously, Cooper Cup is going to have a huge workload. Van Jefferson's kind of been phased out. Um, I mean, I'm sure this week after I said that, he'll catch his patented 60-yard touchdown, but he really doesn't see a ton of work um, or hasn't recently. And then there's Odell. Odell's in that same boat as Julio Jones with me. And this is my theory on what is going to happen this week for the Bucs, uh, with the Bucks defense. So the Cardinals tried to bracket Cup early last week. You could see it in the coverage. The announcers were highlighting it. Um, they were, at certain times, I don't want to say double teaming because that's a misnomer. They, they didn't send two guys at Cooper Cup. But they were clouding coverage to his side, right? They were running defensive uh, backs and linebackers under Cooper Cup in addition to the coverage that he had over the top. So they're bracketing him. You know, they had two eyes on him at all times. But what happened was, you know, the Rams just started pounding them without Cooper Cup, the Cardinals. Odell caught a touchdown. You know, they just couldn't stop the Rams even though they were phasing Cooper Cup out. I think the Bucks realize that, and they're just going to play him straight up. Because if you if you pay that much attention to Cooper Cup, well, Odell Beckham, Cam Akers, Tyler Higby, it's not like he's the only player. It's not like, I guess we'll say the Packers, where Devontae Adams is, you know, the, the gap in talent from Devontae down to the next pass catcher is pretty wide. They'll just the Rams will just beat you elsewhere. So I think the Bucks see that, and I think they they don't try to double up, cloud, bracket, cup this week. That's my projection. Don't get cute and go away from cup this week. I think he has a big week. So I don't think there's any darts on the Rams. As far as the Chiefs and Bills go. My favorite dart throw, and I think this is probably going to be everybody's favorite dart throw from the Bills, but it's Isaiah McKenzie. Man, has he looked good as of late. Um, And they're getting him him carries. They're getting him those short to intermediate passes. It does seem like I mentioned before they trust him a little bit more than Cole Beasley. Uh, At least that's what it looks like to me. So I like Isaiah McKenzie. And then obviously Byron Pringle, two touchdowns last week. He'll probably be a little bit chalky, especially in Chief Stacks. But I like Byron Pringle. I mean, I wouldn't fault anybody for going Miko Hardman in that situation. As far as tight ends, my lean is going to be just to play a tight end from the game you're stacking. Right? So either stack your your quarterback and your tight end in every lineup or at least bring it back with a tight end, right? So if you're stacking Josh Allen, have Kelsey in there or Dawson Knox. If it's a Tom Brady lineup, have Gronk or Higby. That type of thing. Um, That'll probably be my philosophy when it comes to tight ends because they're all really good. I think it just depends on 
on the on the construction of your lineup, right? Like if you need a ch- cheap tight end, Uzama and Higby are awesome. So basically, just pair your quarterback and your tight end. All right, and, and here here's a I'll I'll go over I'll review a few things here um, that I think are pretty important for a four game main slate. Um, usually on two game slates or like a Thanksgiving slate, you kind of say get different by playing a defense with the offense or like don't worry about playing a defense against the offense I think with a four game slate that that advice you know should be given with a little bit of caution on a four game slate you probably are getting there's probably going to be a defense that plays well and limits the offense that they're playing against to the point where you know, stacking an offense and then running it back or, or having a, you know, one player isn't the end of the world. But, you know, sometimes we say, like, don't worry about the defense cor- negatively correlating with the offense whatsoever. I wouldn't think that that is uh, a good play. Additionally, the fewer the entries in the tournament, the more you can stack. And I say that because, you know, if you're playing in a 200-man tournament, let's say you find like a $100, 200-man tournament, well, you're not going to need to be perfect in that instance. So let's say you hit on the fact that Josh Allen has a big game. You stack Diggs, you stack Knox, and you stack Gabe Davis, right? So Josh Allen has a big game. He throws... A touchdown to Knox, a touchdown to Diggs, but Gabe Davis only goes five for 50. Well, that doesn't crush you because there's only 200 entries. And the odds that the the other 4.4K player that you were going to play beats Gabe Davis isn't isn't that great, right? If you had, if there was 100,000 entries, the odds that someone has a Josh Allen stack that doesn't have Gabe Davis and pick the right 4K player is really, really good. But when you're playing 200 against 200 people or you know something in that nature, a smaller field, you can stack a little bit more because the correlation, even if it's just a slight, slight correlation, meaning you know they get double, they hit double digits, they don't have to hit their ceiling, then. I think in those smaller fields, you can you can stack them up, stack games, and have like a little bit heavier uh, bringbacks, things like that. In in the massive, even like if you were talking about like the twelve dollar single entry that has, you know, like eight thousand people in it, then we're talking you kind of have to be a little bit more perfect, right? In the millionaire maker, you have to be a little bit more perfect. A ten a ten point twelve point DK point Gabe Davis is not winning you. The millionaire maker. You're going to need the 4K player from, you know, you're going to need Byron Pringle if he hits the, the two touchdowns or something like that. So that would be my bit of advice depending on the field size. All right. That'll do it for the ride in. I'll be back in three or four days with some PGA. We're going to Torrey Pines for the farmers. I'm also giving away few Tory Pines 
polos. Stay tuned for how you can win those. See you guys.